8.48. Now, the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change is an international consortium of hundreds of climate change researchers convened by the United Nations. So a panel presented findings in Incheon this past Sunday after a week of discussion about the state of climate change. The news was grim. The report finding it will take a massive an aggressive global effort to keep global warming within 1.5 Celsius above pre-industrial levels, and the report warns we could hit that mark as early as 2030. At that point, the planet would likely face devastating changes. Dong Huang, Independent Legal Researcher with LawCon LLC. Good morning to you. Good morning, Alex. First thing that we might note is that while this story was all over the international media outlets didn't seem to get a huge amount of local coverage, even though it was on our doorstep. That's right. I mean, the Incheon was where this actually took place. And that's because if you remember from back in 2012, the Green Climate Fund is actually uh, based in Songdo, Incheon area. And back in 2012 and 2013, this was actually a pretty big uh, a big accomplishment and pr- pretty big deal. I mean, Im Young-bak administration, if you recall, you know, the, the sort of the entire administration's campaign was centered around green growth. But after that, you know, after that, it, when it became Parkne administration, sort of the green growth sort of became a forgotten polit- political slogan. So it's no longer a very uh, sexy uh, political agenda here in Korea, which I think is fairly unfortunate. There is a sense at an individual level that many of us are desensitized. We've heard this message so many times. We've gone through the fear. And when something is relatively slow moving, OK, very fast moving in, in global geological climate terms but if we look at all of our lives people who are worrying about paying the rent next month it's not something that's going to keep them up at night absolutely i mean time time period wise is kind of a slow moving uh, disaster and at the same time you know from the personal level there's very little that individuals can do i mean it's something that literally the world together needs to work on and the scale of what we need to do is kind of staggering and from a as a personal point, I think I can sort of understand why you'll feel kind of helpless. Yep. Combined with the politicization of this issue, it's really not leading to urgent action. But turning to the report itself, one key point to take away, and it has caught attention, that global warming has already taken place and we're seeing the consequences. Right. That one of the key takeaway from the report is that we might reach the so-called 1.5 degrees above the pre-industrial level by 2030, and we already are two uh, thirds of the way there. Already, given the amount of carbon dioxide we have pumped into the uh, atmosphere, we are about one degree above the, uh, uh, the pre-industrial levels, and we've already seen sea levels rising more. Arctic, you know, the, the sea ice is basically the fastest declining in the last. 50 1500 years and you know it'll get worse as the time goes by and in the report actually says that you know unless we curb our carb, uh, you know carbon economy we might hit the 3 degrees by 20 uh, 2100 people will be asking why did they not do something when oh, we are I'm faced sure. with calamities <laughs> they will be asking those questions and here we are collectively watching it all unfold, um, feeling helpless, like you said before, but also desensitized. Why did the report focus so strongly, though, on the 1.5 degrees threshold? 
Well, it all kind of ties back to the 2015 Paris uh, Climate Accord, which is sort of uh, falling apart as we speak. But it's that accord that actually instructed the UN to commission this study. And the goal of the, uh, the Paris Climate Accord was to hold the global temperatures below the 2 degrees level and if, if it's possible, to be hold it below 1.5. So that threshold of 1.5 was actually set by the, Par- the Paris Accord. Let's talk a bit more about what's actually required. Uh, I've seen news articles um, trying to tackle, I think, that same phenomenon you were talking about, a feeling of helplessness, saying the, the single thing that all of us could do uh, to make a big difference is to drastically cut down on meat and dairy consumption. Right. That, that's just one element in all this. But, but what is required to stem the trend? Well, there are lots of individual ideas, but globally it means that we need to basically cut down the carbon dioxide emission by 45% from the 2010 level. And I guess in order to and in order to stabilize the global, uh, the global climate by 2050, I think we basically need to just reach the level that we just don't pump into any carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. So, uh, you know, we, we require massive economic re-engineering, as we know. You know, we are heavily that uh, they depend on an oil, the current eco- global economy that we live in, and we'll also need to, you know, develop all kind of technologies that will actually suck literally carbon out of the uh, the global atmosphere. What exactly is the status of the Paris Climate Accord with the situation around the U.S. being so negative on that front? Well, the U.S., as most people know, have announced that they're actually pulling out of the accord. And the accord itself is actually not really a rule, but it's about, you know, 195 countries around the world getting together and saying, sort of putting in a voluntary targets to to make sure that the global uh, uh, climate change, the, the temperature change doesn't rise above two degrees. Uh, so far, not many countries are even hitting the voluntary targets that they've announced. So it's not really going well. Uh, if we if we can't um, feel like we can make a huge difference individually, I mean that's something we could debate at length. I'm sure there is a lot that we can actually all do if if we just do it. What can we do as a nation? Like if we just view it as South Korea? Yeah, I mean from a, even from a national point of view, for a country like Korea, it might actually feel a little helpless in the sense that in the whole glo- the global state of things, the Korea is not really a major player in terms of carbon emission into in, into the atmosphere. Uh, one thing it could do, I suppose, is to actually you know take some lead while other countries are sort of stalling. You know, make major investments into various initiatives that actually does take carbon out of the climate. I and mean, the very low tech way is to plant lots of trees. On the other hand, there are a lot of experimental so-called negative emission technologies that are being developed. And I think you know, given all, all, all the economic stimulus that the Koreans are talking about, that's probably one area that government can afford to really massively deficit spend and really take an initiative. But globally, on the other hand, as the Paris Climate Accord has shown, what we sort of need is you know, really big countries taking initiative. And in this case, that means United States and China. Basically, any kind of global climate accord will need some kind of you know, basic understanding and some rules set, by, set, set down by those two big economic powers. And at this point, we can sort of hope, only, only hope that the political environment in the United States changes where you know, currently the ruling Republican Party sort of the party platform is to deny that climate change is taking place you know we can only hope that that kind of political atmosphere changes in the future the local government here has has been doing some great things at uh, 
vehicle level, trying to subsidise electric vehicles, for example. But we are still building more coal power plants. Absolutely. And you, you'll have developing countries looking at that and thinking, well, if South Korea could do it, we, we, could, we could just do it for a while. It's, it's not a great example to follow, oh, like you say, in terms I mean, of taking the lead. It's a huge debate between the already developed nations versus, versus developing nations. And that's basically one big conversation that China and United States will have to have at some point in the near future. Well, even if anyone is listening who might be doubtful on climate change, we know our air is filthy for much of the year. Thankfully, it's quite good this week, but it can be horrendous. And uh, it's an almost constant reminder when that kicks in over the winter and spring. So um, if nothing else, that might prompt us into action uh, to to put pressure on key decision makers and and to change our own personal decisions. Zhang Huang, as always, sparking inspiration in our listeners, I hope. Thanks very much. Thanks for helping us get up close.